When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And Jamie, as spring rolls on, there are more and more places to see as outdoor areas continue to reopen during the coronavirus pandemic. That's right, Jim. We've seen a lot of outdoor access reopen across the Northwest. They've been kind of rolling out in a day-by-day announcements here. But there are still a lot of places that are closed, including the entire North Coast and the Columbia River Gorge, at least as we record this. Some places are probably going to remain closed for a while, and others may reopen the time between us recording this podcast and you listening to it. Yeah, and I'll just say, too, the same as last week. We're still not really in a position to recommend where you should go just yet. But we're keeping tabs on what's open and what's not. And Jamie has a running list going on OregonLive.com slash travel. So if you're looking for specifics for you know what outdoor spaces are open head there for the latest. And uh, we'll link to, of course, that story in the show notes. This week, however, we're going to focus on some really important stuff, Jim. And Jamie, what's that? Answering one of the biggest questions folks have right now, do I need to wear a face mask while I'm hiking? That's a big one. And as folks continue uh, getting back out, we're also going to talk about how to stay safe on the trail, uh, something we've talked about a little bit here and there, but kind of going to hit that with more detail. Everything from what to pack to handling your business while you're out hiking. So, Jamie, let's get started with the simple question you had in a headline last week. Do you need to wear a mask while hiking? What's the answer? It's not an easy answer. It's not really a straight up yes or no answer. I talked to some public health experts, some researchers who've been researching the coronavirus and how it spreads in the air. And what they told me comes down to this. The risk of transmission outdoors is really low, but it's not zero. So while you're out there on trails, if you're not around anybody, you're fine and you can hike without your face mask. But They all recommended that you carry a face mask with you so that when you do pass other people on the trail, and these are trails usually where you don't have six feet between you to separate from somebody, Mm -hmm. when you do pass people in that close proximity, to simply put the face mask on and then to take it back off when you are safely past those people. 
they also recommend to put a face mask on anytime you're around any large crowds of people outdoors. That might mean docks or trailheads or anywhere that people might gather or congregate. Yeah. You're basically just concerned about being in close proximity to anyone who does not live with you in your household. So I thought it was really interesting. One of the things that I found out from this reporting is that one of the biggest risks that you might encounter when it comes to staying healthy on the trail is hiking with people who maybe are your friends or family who you don't live with. Because while you might be able to keep your distance from strangers in the trail, when you're out hiking with your buddies, it's a lot harder to keep at six feet of distance to maybe not talk in each other's directions. So if you're out there hiking and meeting up with people you don't live with, which again, a lot of state officials are recommending you do not do, but if you do do that, you should really make sure you wear a face mask just to be safe. I mean, I feel like a lot of it comes down to, Jamie, when you're out there completely by yourself, you're fine. No mask. But I like what you said about carrying the mask, right? Because many of the reasons that, you know, we go hiking is to go somewhere, to go to a viewpoint, to, at the very least, kind of wind your way through a dense forest, you know, something like that. And other people probably have the same idea. As unique as you think your destination is, other people are probably going to be out there, especially right now for the vast majority of destinations, because people are psyched to get outside and are getting the opportunity to do so, more so than in past weeks and months. So yeah, bring it with you. Jamie, you've given kind of the advice before or the, the suggestion, the preference for a neckerchief, which is a word that I just like. It just sounds good. It's <laughs> yeah. enjoyable to say. And I've seen pictures of you wearing your neckerchief. Neckerchief? You could say it either way, maybe. I don't even know. But <laughs> I've seen pictures of you in it. But for folks who are not up to date with the latest trail fashion, Jamie, what is a neckerchief? And why do you like that maybe more than a different kind of mask? I mean, a neckerchief is like a handkerchief that you wear around your neck, right? It's not a handkerchief, it's a neckerchief. I mean, I have a Pendleton bandana that I just wear around my neck that I, I enjoy wearing. And you now you can kind of pull it up over your nose and your mouth like a bank robber, right? That kind of look. And I like it because you can pull it up, you can pull it back down. That's something that I did get a recommendation from from the people I spoke to for my story. They said that having something you can pull up and down like that is completely fine. Again, you don't necessarily need the N95 out here because the risk is so low, again, of transmission that what you're more concerned about than tiny particles is like someone shouting in your direction and, you know, a piece of spit flying into your mouth, mm -hmm. something like that. So you're really worried more about those larger particles and just needing any kind of cloth face covering to go over your mouth and nose. You know, the, I've got other kinds of masks that are easy enough to put on and off, whether it's ones that loop around the ear or ones you tie behind your neck and behind your head. Those work just fine too. I just like the neckerchief because I like the way it looks and I happen to have a, you know, a couple of Pendleton bandanas that I really enjoy. You know, it's really up to you. Just having something with you, though, I think is the important part. Because, I mean, as hikers or people who do any kind of outdoor recreation, we're used to coming prepared. Yeah. We all have our 10 essentials with us or a lot of those. We bring water and extra layers and we bring a first aid kit. It really makes sense to throw a face mask and a hand sanitizer into your day pack just as part of what you bring to go outside now. Yeah. You might not need to wear the face mask but there is a chance that you do. And if you're caught without one, then you could be in trouble. And I think your point 
there is super spot on. It's not what kind of mask you have. It's the fact that you have one with you. It just makes sense right now, folks. And I will say, if you want to get a look at Jamie's neckerchief here, he has changed. I think you changed your profile pic on Twitter to be you with your neckerchief. So folks can go check that out at Hail James B. Rocking the neckerchief on the Twitter right, page. Yeah. So, Jamie, you also referenced a couple other things that are kind of like new essentials to bring with you. And hand sanitizer is an obvious one. So, a lot of us might already have, maybe for a backpacking trip or an occasion where you're going to be on trail for a long time and you're maybe carrying like a bathroom kit of some kind. Hand sanitizer is part of that kit for me, but I don't usually carry that kind of thing on a day hike or a very short hike, a forest park or a Tryon Creek or something like that for us in the Portland area. But I think right now it's kind of one of the obvious inclusions of things that you should have with you. It can fit in your pocket, can get the ones like you see school folks having that kind of have a carabiner attached to them or some sort of backpack attachment, loop it on there. You should just have it to be able to kind of protect yourself, keep yourself safe. It's an easy safety measure and kind of taking one of those practices we all have in the city of making sure our hands are clean and applying it to whatever we're doing out in nature as well. Yeah, we think of nature as being somewhere where you don't touch a lot of stuff, but you know, you, you still might touch, you know, a wilderness permit that you have to fill out or a parking permit or, you know, a pay station of some kind. Those are these little areas that we don't necessarily think of are areas that commonly touch surfaces. We want to make sure to just keep our hands clean after touching those areas. Yeah, it's like that little golf pencil or that pen that sits right. in the trailhead right. wilderness permit box or the keypad you have to use in maybe a more urban setting to pay for your parking or whatnot. You know, it's no different than going to Fred Meyer or Safeway, right? And having to use a pin pad or going to a gas station or an ATM or something where you're interacting with a surface that potentially a lot of other folks are touching. So I know as I go out and go onto trails and things like that, at the very least, I'm going to have that in the car, if not kind of a pocket-sized or backpack-sized container to bring with me out onto the trail. The other thing I referenced too a little bit ago, Jamie, is a bathroom kit. So something that's going to allow you to uh, safely handle your business while you're on the trail. And we're going to talk a little bit more about what that means and how to handle that business right after a short break. All right, we are back talking about hiking safety amid the COVID-19 pandemic and specifically right now, how to handle your business safely while on trail. And I'll start by saying, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department asks people right now to bring their own hand sanitizer, like we've talked about, soap and water, and toilet paper and trash bags in case restrooms are closed. And Jamie, that's a lot of stuff that probably most people don't bring to the trailhead most of the time. So help us cut through it a little bit. What's the best practice right now? People might not be used to bringing those things, but we're also not used to restrooms being closed. That's kind of a luxury that we've always maybe taken for granted. You know, I know I certainly have. We're used to there being a vault toilet or a flush toilet somewhere nearby where we're parking or where we're camping. And for right now, that just 
might not be the case. There are certainly some restrooms that have reopened along with trailheads or campgrounds. In some cases, restrooms have not reopened. But even the ones that are open now, you can't even necessarily rely on those being a safe place because they're not cleaned maybe as regularly as they were before or as regularly as we may hope during this public health crisis. So you really want to make sure that you are bringing hand sanitizer, soap, and making sure that you get in and out with clean hands. I think I personally, Jamie, I I don't necessarily, you might have even said this, my memory is short right now, but I don't know that I want to rely on any of those bathrooms that are available right now. I think the best practice is if you can, if you're going somewhere close to home, to try to use the restroom before you leave and, you know, hope that that carries you through. But in the event it doesn't, Jamie, and there's no bathroom available and nature calls, we have a handy dandy flow chart to help you out. And you tracked this down and linked to it in your story that kind of covered whether you need to wear a face mask while hiking. And it's from the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics. And the kind of title or headline, I have to poop outside. What do I do? Question mark, exclamation (laughs) point. Jamie, we were talking before we started recording. This is kind of a difficult subject to broach in a way that like is podcast fun, friendly, and reasonably comfortable. Uh, But this flowchart is kind of like one of my favorite infographics of late. It's very simple, but it starts in, and do you have the flowchart up in front of you, Jamie? Of course I do. Yeah. Of course you do. Obviously, <laughs> we both do here. It starts with, I have to poop outside. What do I do? And the first question, is there a bathroom nearby? And it breaks down, of course, into yes or no. If yes, great, use it. Close the lid on vault toilets to minimize odor. And we can kind of pause here and say the additional information amid the COVID-19 pandemic is it might not be open and it might not maybe be stocked with hand sanitizer. There might not be any soap and water. So like we said, you got to bring that stuff if you want to ensure that you're going to be able to use it in the event that there's a bathroom there. But if not, Jamie, if there's no bathroom, the flowchart leads down to Can you walk 200 feet or 70 big steps away from water sources? Run us through where it goes from here. Yeah, so you want to make sure you get away from those water sources naturally since it's not hygienic to poop near water sources. So if you can get away from the water source, then you're going to want to look for what the flowchart has next, which is, is the ground soft enough to dig a hole? Now, one of the things that the flowchart doesn't necessarily mention here that we should bring up, if this is something that you think you're going to need to do, or even if it's something you don't think you're going to need to do, you should have, in addition to toilet paper and hand sanitizer or soap and water, a small shovel of some kind. They sell them at outdoor stores. Mm -hmm. I have a little foldable trowel that's lightweight. You can find something like that so that you can take it with you and dig a small cat hole. If you don't have a place to dig a hole, the flowchart directs you to use what's known as a wag bag, which is basically a dog poop bag for humans, to safely pack out your poop with you. That's not really uh, something that people like to do, I'm sure. I know that I would prefer not to do that. But if you don't have a choice, then that's what you need to do. It's better than doing what a lot of people end up doing, which is just pooping on the ground next to the bathroom. 
Let's not do that, folks. Yeah. Anytime you got to see, like, when you're hiking along the trail and there's just kind of like a baby wipe off to the side or some toilet paper or whatever, you know, none of us can say that we're perfect and we've never left a trace in nature. That's obviously not true, but a particularly unenjoyable one to find is human poop along the trail. It's not fun. You don't want it. I'm thankful that that hasn't really happened to me very much. I I don't feel like that's a super, super common problem that I've run across, but we don't want to see some super proliferation of this because bathrooms are closed. So you should be responsible for bringing with you one of the two things. So either that wag bag, which folks will refer to also as like a blue bag or something like that, or a trowel or something that you can use to dig a hole. And of course, in the event that you don't have a trowel, you don't have a bag, you can probably find a rock or something to dig yourself a hole, but you know, less enjoyable. So Jamie, I'm going to have fun with this. I looked while you were talking on REI, they have a number of different trowel types. And I'm looking specifically at Tent Lab, the brand apparently that sells the Deuce Number no. Two Ultralight Backcountry Trowel, and it's 19.95. Do you have the Deuce Number no. Two Ultralight Backcountry Trowel, or are you a more old school trowel kind of guy? I'm a more old school trowel kind of guy. I don't think mine is ultralight. I know it's got a little handle that pops up. Ooh. I can't remember what the brand is exactly. It's I normally it would be here in the closet with me, but I, I've taken all of my backpack <laughs> out so that I can fit into it. I like it because, you know, even though these trowels you might not use that often, it's a good thing to keep in the backpacking gear or camping gear anyway. I know I've used a trowel like this before to dig a small trench around my tent when I was stuck out in the pouring rain. Nice. So they can have many purposes. But of course, the main one being digging a cat hole so that you can, you know, go ahead and poop outside when you need to. And I'll just say, we're getting no sponsorship from REI, the brand, the Tent Lab, or the Deuce Number 2 UL, (laughs) which I assume to mean ultralight backcountry trowel. And they are, you know, more expensive than your average poop hole digging mechanism. But they come in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different colors. Wow. You know, a great gift for any of your outdoor companions. They'll think of you every time they have to use it. And that is <laughs> it is just great. So maybe we should pursue a sponsorship deal with some of these poop shovel people. I'm telling you, you know, I feel like I've just got the shtick pretty down here. <laughs> yeah. I'm tempted to say I've actually purchased one. Of these before, not for myself, but for someone else. I can't say with certainty, but I know I've purchased a interesting kind of ultralight looking trowel (laughs) in the past. And I'll leave it at that. But they're interesting. There are other more cost effective models, including one that just looks more like a garden tool. And that's $5.50 from REI. So it need not be anything fancy, especially for a day trip or really for any trip. But All fun aside, we want to go in prepared because if folks are causing problems by pooping all alongside the trails and stuff, you know, more likelihood that we may not have the ability to use some of these spaces that we really enjoy. Exactly. And Jim, we're leaving people hanging a little bit, I think. We've gotten up to the shovel, to the digging your hole. Oh, yes. Our flow chart. We have to tell people 
how to, and I, this really, again, this, this should be maybe common sense, but the flowchart lays it out and we're going to just go ahead and go through it. So there's a couple different ways to do this depending on what environment you're in. Mm-hmm. If you're in the desert versus if you're in, say, the forest. But basically, either way, what you're going to want to do is dig a hole that is between four and eight inches deep, a good half foot. And step two in there is very simple to poop in the hole. Again, I feel like that maybe shouldn't need to be said, but go ahead and make sure that you use the hole that you just dug. I think that's probably pretty important. Brilliant, Jamie. Brilliant. And then you can go ahead and wipe. Now, here's where there's a difference here. A lot of people are used to burying their toilet paper in the hole. And if you have, if you're in the forest, for example, you want to bury it sort of at the bottom of that hole, you can go ahead and do so. If you're in the desert, They ask that you pack the toilet paper out with you. And some leave no trace purists will say to pack out the toilet paper regardless because this is a man-made object that you're essentially littering to a certain degree by putting it in the ground. And if you bury it too close to the surface and it rains, you might just end up with toilet paper everywhere. So either way, pack out the toilet paper, bury it at the bottom of the hole, and then you want to fill the hole back up with the dirt and kind of disguise it. They ask you to disguise it a little bit and make sure that when you're choosing a location to dig a hole, to do it that's kind of out of the way. So, you know, maybe digging a hole right next to the closed bathroom is not really a good idea. Maybe walk out a ways, find a spot that seems inconspicuous where people won't see you and where people might not think to walk or dig their own hole. And if you're at a campsite, say in the backcountry, and you're going to be there for a few days with a couple people, dig holes all over the place. Kind of spread them out a little bit instead of making like one area your go-to toilet area. I'd never actually considered that, Jamie. That's interesting. Spreading out the areas because a lot of times, you know, the natural tendency is I'm just going to go back to where I went before. Mm -hmm. I'm learning stuff today on the podcast. This is good. I will say, you know, I've been on like hunting trips where there's like a big hole that is dug Mm -hmm. and like a toilet seat nailed to the the tree or what have you. Yeah. And then you just kind of throw sawdust or dirt over the poop each time. I've seen people do that, but the general leave no trace ethic is to, yeah, trying to spread it out Mm -hmm. and and try to do it in different inconspicuous places. No, that's good. I mean, a lot of the backcountry stuff that I do happens to be on snow and that makes wag bags or blue bags a really common way to handle that kind of thing. And when in doubt, toss one in your bag. They don't weigh anything. You can just stuff them in the bottom of your pack or put them in the brain of your pack. Keep them out of the way. Because even if you have to pack out toilet paper, you don't just want to do that willy-nilly. You want to have a plan. So I like to, if I'm going on a trip that has any kind of duration to it, more than just a day hike, carry one of those suckers with me. At least one, just in case. Oftentimes, even trailheads will have blue bags or wag bags, whatever you want to call them, available to you. Sometimes they will, I should say. Uh, Like climb Mount Rainier last uh, summer, last July, and they had a bunch of wag bags set up there that you could kind of assemble your own, take it with you. And then I think they even had a spot where you could deposit them when you're done. Mm. Basically saying like, we are giving you all of the resources possible to handle this correctly, right? And it's your responsibility to use those resources and do your part. And that's what this all comes down to, right? Do your part because you don't want to come across someone else's business and be a good steward of the place. Exactly. Let's consider the park rangers who have to clean up these areas and take care of these areas. 
we don't want to have to have them be cleaning up human feces while they're also trying to clean restrooms and maintain trails and doing all they have to do already. Yeah. So again, it's just, as Jim, like you say a lot, just being a good steward of the space. And I think the easiest way to do this, if you, if you don't want to go through all of this process of digging a cat hole, bringing a wag bag, like you said, Jim, just poop before you go. Poop at home and then go. That's, I think that's maybe one of the easiest ways to avoid all of this is just take care of your business before you even leave the house. That's the phrase of the day right there. Poop at home before you go. <laughs> I think. I think I'm quoting you correctly. Jamie, I think and hope that this is the most references to bathroom use that we ever cover in the Peak Northwest podcast. I hope this is a one and done. I can't imagine why we would ever talk about it more than this. But, you know, folks, the one thing I don't want to have to do is come back here and talk about poop again because people have made a mess of trails. So, you know, let's all do our part to just keep the places clean and to use these newly reopened outdoor places responsibly. Because I don't know about you all, but I really, really want these to stay open and to be able to use them. So, I think as long as we can recreate responsibly, these places can stay open for a bit. And that that would just be wonderful. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, so, Jamie, we're going to start moving toward the exits here. But one of the things that we wanted to shout out is that our podcast hotline is still active, right? So we've asked you in the past to send us your campfire stories. We did kind of our six-episode mini-series of stories from our adventures, sharing stories from your adventures, had one of our buds on, had Dave, our producer on. Dave's also our bud, to be clear, and one of three producers who work on the show. But we still want to hear from you. We want to hear those stories that you have. You know, we're still taking those. And we also want to hear your questions. That's what I'm getting to right now is we want to hear your questions. And feel free to, if you have a quandary about, should I do this? Should I not? What should I bring for this? What should I leave at home? So on and so forth. We might not have the answers, but we're in a decent position to try to track them down. So, Jamie, how can folks submit a question in the event that they want to get it answered here on the podcast. Anyone can send a question to us by email. You can email podcasts, that's with an S, at oregonian.com. Or you can give us a call on the podcast hotline at 503-221-4345. And I wanted to let people know, too, that we're still accepting campfire stories like those that we previously shared so if you still have one of these great adventures or crazy animal encounters or whatever the case may be, go ahead and record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us or give us a call on that hotline and leave us a voicemail. Yeah, we hope to share some more stories and questions on future episodes of the podcast. And until next time, folks, you can subscribe to Peak Northwest wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest. This episode of the podcast was produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Dave Killen. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen.